0: Um, i'm not going to spend a lot of time on this we talked about you know three concepts that you'll find throughout this structure throughout this uh, you know study is uh, authority shepherding and, and the centrality of the gospel uh, we talked about authority a couple of weeks ago about how the parents are the ones who are in authority over the children the whole class is really about shepherding your child's heart um, and then the gospel focus it really Needs to be part of uh, you know part of our whole parenting, right? So the focus needs to be to communicate, educate, to get our children used to the the, the elements of the gospel, um, so that their hearts are prepared to you know to hear and respond to the the call of God, right? So um, and and that when they do believe that their faith is really founded on a on a true understanding of the gospel and of sin and of repentance and so on so we talked about the heart uh, that uh, what we want to do is focus not on changed behavior but on the heart and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, today so you'll see us keeping on coming up again and again we talked about shaping influences how uh, shaping influences are important you know things like uh, the kind of home the relationship between our parents the order of birth the where you grow up your culture you know, your background, but um, more important than that is, you know, that does not, doesn't guarantee, you know, that if you just focus on shaping influences that you will therefore, um, you know, end up with the results you want, nor is it a a deterministic thing that if your shaping influences are bad, that you can never come out of it, right? And we saw the example of Joseph, Although he was shaped by various negative influences in his life, yet, uh, you know, because of his Godward orientation and the way he responded to it, you know, he was able to overcome that and, um, you know, bring glory to God, right? Um, we talked about parenting not being just, uh, um, you know, a uh, provider, care provider, although that's obviously very basic and important and has to be done. But we are called to shepherd and, and is called to do it, um, you know, on God's behalf. Right? God has sort of given us the responsibility to be stewards over our children, just like he's been given us responsibility to be stewards over our um, money, as we talked about in the previous class, right? Um, and you need to have these clear objectives. And also from Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 7, we see that, you know, parenting or raising your children and teaching them is not, it's not like a structured thing, okay? There are certain structured elements to it, of course, but uh, it, it's a it's an all pervasive thing, right? It's you know, it's it's a process that starts at birth and goes till maybe about uh, you know the the bulk of it goes till they're about seventeen years old, you know, sometimes longer, uh, and then it continues to some extent once they leave home as well. But but the bulk of it, the, the crux of it, you know, the 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 main parts of it happen sort of in that birth to, you know. 16, 17, 18 year old kind of range when your children are under your own roof and, uh, you know, being provided for by you and, they're, you know, they are sort of, uh, I guess I can use the term under your control, so to speak, you know, they are sort of very dependent upon you. Um, you know, and of course, over time, that the kind of dependency and all changes, right? But, uh, nevertheless, uh, that's, the, that's the key, uh, you know, the key time, time frame in which you want to Um, you know, you want to focus on on really shepherding their their hearts. So we talked about the goal, right? So we talked about all of the unbiblical goals that people have uh, in life. We talked about, uh, you know, uh, how uh, a lot of that is really built around behavior. It's very influenced by culture. Um, It's influenced by society around us. Uh, You know, whether it's a good education, whether it's the kind of schools we send them to, whether it's the degrees they get, uh, you know, the kind of stuff they have, the lifestyle that they get used to, you know, we we always have this, 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 I would call it a worldly desire to improve our lifestyle. All of us have that, right? Uh, The question is how far we go with it, right? So, you know, um, you know, we want to give our kids the, just to give some examples, you know, the latest of gadgets, uh, you know. you know, the, the latest phones and all this. I, I know occasionally I can hear some of my kids, you know, talking about some of somebody else saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe that, you know, so-and-so has a has a smartphone, you know, because they're not used to getting smartphones till they, uh, till they reach a certain age. And actually it's not even have to do with age. It's a matter of whether you need it or not, right? So, um, you know, uh, again, uh, all of that comes back to what's our goal. And although all of us will have, You know, high-sounding words around the goals. The way we know our goal is really by looking at at what we do, right? What is it that we teach our children? What is the message that we're sending to our children? And so we came to First Corinthians ten thirty-one, which talks about everything we do to do it all for the glory of God. And uh, you know, we got this uh, this question from the 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 shorter, what's called the shorter catechism. Uh, First question is, what is the chief end of man, or what is the ultimate objective of man why it is ma- why is man created by god and the answer to that is man's chief end is to glorify god and enjoy him forever right and uh, and we saw that uh, that this is um, you know this is um, um really a good and worthy goal to have for us as parents you know if you want to say what's my goal okay uh, it is to 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 ensure that my child learns that his or her chief end or chief purpose in life is to glorify God and to enjoy him, to enjoy him by having that relationship, by having, uh, um, you know, eventually um, knowing him as uh, Christ, as savior, but but ultimately living for God. So whether, and then everything else, all these other things we talked about, which are not bad in and of themselves. Of course, we want our children to be educated. Of course, we want them to find a vocation in life. uh, You know, we want them to, um, you know, to do well, if you will. But ultimately, you know, uh, it it should all come back to this goal, right? And we should ask ourselves, you know, is my child living their life in a way that glorifies God? The decisions that they're making, the way that they think, right? Do they think around glorifying God? You know, how they do well? Uh, Just to take a simple example that we're all used to, you know, how they do in their studies, in in their grades, you know, is it? Is it, is it the grades as an end or is it, you know, they do get good grades because they're working hard and they work hard because, you know, God has given them the talent and brings glory to God when they apply themselves and apply the talents and the gifts that God has given them, right? So, so that's sort of the, the subtle difference there. Uh, and very often we as parents can get sidetracked to focus on the, uh, I would call the, uh, the the subsidiary result, okay? Or the the, uh, what do you call the the extra benefit, okay, the side benefit, right, Um, as opposed to the chief thing, so the side benefit is my child, you know, is doing well in in school, but the question is why, okay, why are they doing that, is it because they fear you and the punishment that you're going to give them if they don't do well, is it because they want to impress other people, right, Uh, is it because they want to put other people down because, you know, getting a grade, getting means that you get, uh, you build up pride and, you get highlighted by your teachers and all that stuff, or is it that you know they want to give glory to God, right? So you want them even as they grow and get into those years of their life to really focus on this, right? So we need to teach our children to use their abilities, their aptitudes, their talents, their intelligence to glorify God rather than make their own lives better. Okay, so very often we'll we'll say things that I've done this as well. You know, we say to our children, you know, you better you know, you better study or you'll end up becoming a janitor or, you know, a trash collector or whatever, right? Um, you know, so, you know, what is the message that you're sending to your child when you say things like that? It is that you know, your study is all about getting a job, right? Of course, study has a correlation to your job and all that, but, you know, what is the message they're getting? You know, is it that I got to study because I got to get my job or get a good job and live well and make enough money and be comfortable or is it, you know, that I need to study well because God has given me the ability to study. He's given me the, the means to go to a school, right? And I glorify him by doing well, right? And, and when they do do well, you know, you want to make sure that they respond to that with this kind of a God-glorifying attitude, not a man-glorifying attitude, not a self-glorifying attitude because then if, they, if it's a ladder, then what happens is they're building up these idols in their heart right and then you know when you go from school to the workplace to family life and all these kind of things uh, you know these things have an effect right so so this is important and we talked about even spiritual goals that we have right how very often they are uh, you know their noble goals and their good goals but we have a lot of children who end up getting saved you know some who even end up getting baptized but you know do they really know the lord right? and we find many of them in their later years you know, they either because of the hypocrisy they see, or they never had that foundation, you know, of the true understanding of the gospel and the true brokenness that brings you, you know, to the cross and to salvation. They end up falling away, right? We, we have so many examples of that, uh, in, uh, you know, in in, in um, people around us. So, with that, we're going to come now to uh, getting into the area that many of you have been eagerly waiting for, which is the methods, okay, so how, so we know that this is our goal, right, uh, we know that the way to get there is by shepherding your child's heart, okay, just like a shepherd moves a, a sheep along, we know that that the way we do that, you know, has to be infused and uh, with the gospel and the gospel has to be central to it, we know that we have to apply our authority, so authority, shepherding and centrality of the gospel. But what are the methods, and do the methods really matter? And this is sort of a philosophical question. Like, you know, uh, typically in philosophy, you'll uh, you hear this term. You know, the, the difference between the, the, the end and the means, right? And and the, the typical philosophy uh, in the world, the sort of worldly philosophy uh, that Paul uh, sort of you know advises against in, in Colossians, is that you know, is that um, you know the ends justify the means okay so it doesn't matter how you get there as long as the goal is a good goal it's a worthy goal it's a noble goal you know you can try different ways to get there and of course you know people apply this to religion you know always lead to the same uh, uh, you know end result uh, they apply this to uh, politics they apply this to any any sphere of life right education it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you achieve the goal right but uh, you know, as with everything, you know, we we always go back to scripture, right? And we want to uh, we want to sort of ask ourselves, um, you know, uh, does it really matter? Okay, or what is the method that scripture uh, tells us? And before that, you know, what does scripture say about method? Does method really matter to God, right? And uh, you know, uh, and clearly when we go to scripture and we look at examples we find that God is concerned not only with what we do, but how we do it. And we look at, we look at everything. And I'm, I'm currently you know, in my quiet time reading through uh, the book of Leviticus and you know, I just finished Exodus and I'm in Leviticus and it's all about the tabernacle and the, um, the, the sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's amazing the, the detail to which God goes and he says, this is the way you got to do it. Right? This is how you should build the tabernacle. These are the rules for uh, you know, for how you handle the furniture. Um, this is the this is the um, the the mix of you know the the materials, the the gold and the uh, the silver and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, then this is the way the sacrifice is supposed to be done. You know, you know the priests are supposed to you know give a, uh, you know half of the, a certain portion of their offering, half in the morning, half in the evening to the Lord. So. Is very particular, and he, he's very you know throughout the Old Testament. And this is why you know, I encourage everybody to study the Old Testament. The purpose of the Old Testament, studying the Old Testament, is really to get that deep understanding of God. Okay, because it really gives you a window into the mind of God. Okay, the thinking of God. Uh, and uh, just to give an example, uh, which um, I assume most of you know this, but you know you have the the incident of the ark, right, back in um, in the Kings. Uh, you know, when David, um, you know, the ark had been taken, uh, you know, Saul had brought the ark out in a battle against the Philistines uh, in, 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 uh, in First Samuel. And then the Philistines captured the ark um, and they took it. And then, you know, all kinds of stuff happened. They put it in the temple of their God, Dagon. And then Dagon fell and broke his nose and all this kind of stuff, you know, uh, was going on. And then after a while, and then people started getting the plague and getting boils. And so the Philistines figured out something's not right here. And they send the ark back. right? They put them onto these. Uh, they put it um, you know, on on a ox cart, a bullock cart, and uh, tied a couple of bullocks and send it off. And then it showed up and it ended up in in this place called Jabesh Gilead. Uh, And then we find later that um, the uh, the ark was kept in the house of of this this one person. Okay, and it stayed there for a long time, right? And then later on, um, you know, David comes and David wants to Bring the ark to Jerusalem, okay? Because he wants to eventually build a temple and all this kind of stuff, and uh, and so they go and uh, they go to this house with great celebration, and and they put the the ark into a bullock cart, okay? Just like the Philistines did, and uh, the, the 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 sons of the man whose house it was in, and it says that he had been his house had been blessed, and his sons um, um, Uzza and uh, Ahio, I think, if I remember right, okay, that's their names they were walking beside the ark and then uh, somewhere along the way, the bullocks stumble, right? The bullocks stumble and, um, uh, and uh, the ark is about to fall and uh, you know, and one of them reaches their hand out and, and, and prevents it, holds the ark and prevents it from falling and then God strikes him dead, okay? Uh, and this was God's way of judging because they had not done things the way that he had said because it was very clear. You Go back to the law when it says, know when the ark moves okay when the ark is taken out of the tabernacle and it's moving when when you travel right you have to put the poles into the the, the, these four little rings you got to put the poles in there and then the priests have to carry it on their shoulders right and gives you the number of priests and how they were to do it with the trumpets and all this kind of stuff and what the you know maybe it was the passage of years or passage of time that the ark had been sitting there and people were used to this but they just said, oh, well, you know, the Philistines did it this way. Well, we'll also follow the same thing. Put it on a card. And nobody but the priests were to touch this. And of course, the, the consequence of that was that, uh, you know, was, these, uh, was, was that this, uh, this person would put his hand out. And of course, his intention was good, right? But the end did not justify the means. You were, Not only the intention was to prevent the ark from tumbling over and falling, right? Uh, he meant well. But he was struck down dead because uh, you know, he didn't follow, uh, they didn't follow uh, the prescription of God on the means to do it. And then you know, David has to leave it there in somebody's house and then they come back years later and they do it properly. Right? So, um, so, so just keep this in mind you know, that, uh, that when you're trying to achieve biblical goals for of, of parenting, you have to follow a biblical approach. Okay? You cannot separate the two. Right. So so people in the world today, we, we hear a lot of different philosophies of parenting. We hear, um, you know, a lot of uh, advice, you know, you spank, don't spank, you do timeouts, you, you know, you got to protect your child's self-esteem, all of these kind of things that people really wonder, you know, oh, well, yeah, we know the Bible says use the rod, but does that, um, you know, first of all, we, we end up taking it a little bit out of context and we take the rod at the expense of everything else right we want to take the rod because it's a little easier perhaps to administer and we don't follow the reproof part right or we take the reproof without the rod uh, and we bring our own sort of twist to what the word of god says but the word of god is very clear right and if you want to achieve biblical goals you have to follow the biblical approach okay um, so as i said there are we need to recognize the worldly methods and we need to um, you know we need to uh, make sure that we reject them, right? So uh, why don't you just, uh, you know, uh, send me a chat? It can be private, can be uh, public. Doesn't matter. Uh, this is not to judge anybody or anything like that. But uh, but if you can just start telling me, uh, you know, what is what is the main method of of um, of parenting that you use? Okay, or maybe I'll make it a little more clear. The main method of discipline or dealing with your child's disobedience or getting your child to do what. What you want them to do, or when you get irritated with them, you know, what, what's your main tool or method that you use? So if you can, if you can just start, uh, you know, we'll pause for a minute, and you can uh, just start, uh, you know, typing away. Okay. So, Jatin, your
1: method of discipline, right? So hmm. with judah it's basically he would want to watch cartoons. So I'll say no cartoon for you for the day. Okay. Something like so that. you you'll
0: just you just it's it's a uh, We'll talk about that, but basically you deprive him of that, right? Okay, Okay. somebody, okay, now we're starting to get some answers. One says it's mostly shouting. Um, Okay, here's another one that says bribing and fear of the rod. Okay, sometimes spanking. Yeah. Keep going. Any others? Banking and a firm no. Okay, good. Any others? Depriving certain benefits, yeah. Stopping the act and explaining why no. Okay, good. And that's from a mother of a very young child. So... um, Verbal warning and the rod, and then rod. Okay, try to distract for TV for songs, threatening to hit and raise my voice. Okay, some very honest answers. (laughs) Uh, here we go loud voice, deprived, fear of spanking, emotional blackmail, talking. Yep, looks like some of you read the book, huh? (laughs) That's good uh, depriving the benefits based on nature of the problem. Okay. Any others? Yeah. So I think, um, I think these are all, uh, you know, quite typical. And, and honestly, if I, if I think through it, you know, I've used all of these uh, things myself. So, so what we're going to do, what we're going to do now is, uh, is that we are going to, uh, uh you know, today, what we're going to do is we're going to just talk about, uh, you know, about, um, you know, some of the unbiblical methods and, and some of these methods are not that they are unbiblical in and of themselves, but rather, you know, they, um, it's the way we use them, right? And the, the way we administer them that makes it uh, a problem. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and then from next week onwards, we'll actually start looking at the actual methods. So all of you who are waiting for the spanking. You'll have to wait for a couple of weeks, but we'll eventually get there. Um, in fact, we're not going to talk about spanking first because, honestly, I think that's the less important one. So, what are some unbiblical methods of parenting? I think you guys, uh, you guys, um, you know, you uh, you all hit upon that. Uh, and very often, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a repeat of, of what um, you know our parents did. Okay, and you say, you know, so for example, maybe your father shouted at you or your mother, you know, gave you a lot of wax and and uh, that's all the example you have and, and you know the fact is that very often we find you know history repeating itself Right, so whatever we are used to is what uh, what we use as a method to uh, to um, you know punish our children to parent our children and uh, and we always justify these things because we know that that's not right okay to do in anger for example we know is not right but we justify it by saying well you know, yeah, my dad shouted at me, and he used to whack me with a with a belt, you know, and look how I turned out okay um in fact, uh, sometimes you know um you know Lisa will complain um you know, I pick on Lisa because she's the oldest, and certainly Lisa and Timothy got a lot more they always they always are on my case saying that I got easy as the kids came along, which is probably some truth to that, um but say, yeah, you know, and so she'll say um uh, you know, they'll say something to the young kids. You know, when I was your age, I could never do this, this, and this. You know, Dad was so strict, or Mom was so strict, and and I'll say, yeah, look and look how you turned out. You know, that's why you're such a good uh, child today. You know, uh, but uh, again, we can we can always justify things that we do by saying, well, look at the way I turned out. Yeah, okay, I didn't like it at the time and all that, uh, but very often when you dig in, you can find that 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 the way that you're parents treated you, okay, they were frequently shout at you and all that, that it would have uh, impacted you, okay, it would have impacted you emotionally and you probably still carry some of those scars. Uh, You know, again, uh, there there are so many adults today who bring a lot of those things into the marriage, but then you find that they repeat it again with their children, okay? So the fact that, you know, your parents did something and you turned out okay, it doesn't make that right. Okay, that's, that's the point here, is that it is still an unbib- unbiblical method, is still unbiblical, regardless of, you can always do the wrong things and the results come out okay by the grace of God, right? Or you can do the right things and it may not come out, but regardless, you know, you have to, you know, if we believe that the word of God is the word of God and it is the, you know, it, it, is, um, it is God-ordained or God-inspired, uh, you know, God-breathed, Um, you know, as, as uh, first Timothy tells us, then, um, you know, we, uh, we have to accept what it says. Okay. Okay. Second one, somebody alluded to this, it's bribery, right? So, so we, we bribe them or we get into contracts that say, well, if you do this, I'll give you that, you know, or if you guys eat your food, then I'll give you ice cream. If you do well in this, uh, you know, in this exam, then, you know, I'll take you here. I'll take you there and again, the point is not that you do not do good things for your kids. The point is when you link it, right? So what is the message that you're sending? So you are appealing to the self-interest of the child, whereas, you know, what God tells us is that we should look out for the interests of others, right? And you're you're trying to, and and what happens is that you, you know, you don't teach them about being under godly authority. You don't teach them the right message. Okay, you are, um, uh, you're really appealing to to them, doing what's in their self-interest. Now, now take this forward a few years, okay? And a child who grows up this way is always expecting and will always do the right thing only if there is a reward next to it. Okay, so 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 come forward to, and maybe some of us have this, okay? In in our jobs, for example, right? Where uh, you know the moment something goes wrong, let's say we don't get rewarded or we don't uh, get uh, um, you know a, a salary increase that we Think we deserve or, or, or whatever think we need, right? Our motivation at work goes down. Okay. Or if you um, if you're in uh, you know to get out of the work situation, come into the church, right? If you're doing something in the church and you don't get recognized, right? You don't get recognized for it, somebody else does, you know, we get demotivated, right? So our motivation becomes tied to our own self-interest because we want to be recognized, we want something good to come out, something good. To happen to us, some some reward. Okay. And so we build up that sort of tendency. So there's a there's an important point he makes in the in the book, which is that no matter how you parent, no matter what you do as a parent, you're always shepherding your child's heart. Okay. But you're either shepherding it in the right way towards God or you're shepherding it, you know, in the wrong way towards the child, okay, towards self-interest, towards that idols, you know, the idols that are in the heart of every child. Because every child is a sinner, right? So, so that's why that's unbelievable. Um, and, and then of course, we reward good behavior, this is sort of a bribery, but it's a bribery um, you know, to achieve behavior modification. Okay? So we want them to do a certain thing and we, we reward them Okay, we, we put a system in place to, uh, you know, to count up all the good that they do and whoever does better you know, and we create this sort of competition among children and all this kind of thing, but you're never teaching them, you know, to, uh, uh, you're teaching them to do things again for reward, right? So it's, it's just another form of bribery, um, you know, uh, then, then another one, which I know I've used a lot, it comes very easy. It's emotionalism. Okay. Appeal to emotional well-being or shaming the child. So, you know, for example, I'll say, you know, uh, oh, you know, uh, I, I love you, you know, so much and look at all the things that I do for you you know how can you not listen to me how can you not obey right you know i i sometimes just use this with uh, with josiah when uh, you know josiah sleeps with me has been you know for a long long time uh, and he's gotten to where he's got this attachment and and once in a while he will say you know can i go and sleep with Danny or, or paul or somebody tonight you know and then i'll just you know and i'm joking but but this is a good example where i'll say I'll say, oh, well, you know, Josiah, if you go, then, you know, I don't have anybody here and I'm going to be very sad all night. And who's going to be there for dad? And then, you know, he'll, you can see his face get little thing. You know, that he badly wants to go. At the same time, he cares so much about his dad and I appeal to his emotions and, uh, you know, and he'll say, okay, okay, it's okay. And then sometimes he'll try to negotiate. Well, uh, can I just go for a little bit or, or can I just go for one day, but I'll be back tomorrow. You know, uh, again, this is... um, really not a good thing to do. Okay, you know you're 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 shaming the child, or you're trying to appeal to, uh, you know, making your uh, uh, appealing to this this whole thing of emotionism and get the child sort of make them feel emotionally guilty for what purpose? Okay, to you know fulfill your own selfish desires. Okay, which is which is not a good thing. It's not biblical, right? We should. Uh, You know what we want is to shepherd their heart to do things because that's what God would want because it pleases God because the chief end of man is to glorify God because it glorifies God when they do that right and and what it does to the parents is sort of a secondary thing okay Uh, so it's not an obedience an appeal to obedience for the glory of God and then another one so we heard a lot of uh, in the when you guys responded you know punitive correction right so threat of punishment so you know you don't do this then. You know, if you don't do this, then mommy's going to get a stick, okay? Or mommy's going to give you a spanking, right? Um, you know, sometimes we use things like grounding, or we, you know, um, you know the, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, and grounding is actually a very American thing. You know, I think it originated in America and then spread. You know, everything originates in America and then spreads. That's that's just the way things work, I guess. Uh, but um, you know, you say you're grounded. You know, you're grounded for two days. Okay, or, or, or before, before that happens, there's usually a threat that says, If you do this, then I will ground it. you. Will be grounded. The moment it happens in anger, you say, You are grounded. Okay, and then, uh, you know, uh, very often children can use this, and, and what happens is you shepherd their heart in a way that they become manipulated. Okay, so, so they, will, uh, they will use this. You know, and children are very smart. Okay, so if they know that certain behaviors are pleasing to you. And that's the kind of thing you want. You know, they may want to get something and they will exhibit those good behaviors not out of, uh, you know, not out of a desire to glorify God, not for the right reasons, but they know, you know what, I want this. I know I want this. So I better be nice, you know, and I better be obedient. I better be nice and sweet to my mom or my dad. You know, I better not disobey for the next one week. You know, I better, better study hard, uh, because they believe that they'll get something, right? Uh, and that's uh, that's just human nature. So never forget that that your child has a sin nature in them. Okay, and they will use all these things, and they figure you out, and they know, you know, uh, and they can manipulate. Uh, they know when you're, you know, how long you're going to be angry for. They know when you're really angry and when you're when you're serious about it and when you're not. Okay, and sometimes kids will talk to other kids and. And uh, you know they, they can explain exactly how their parents operate. Okay, so kids are very smart. So when we do this punitive correction or threat, okay, we are not really addressing the root issues. Okay? We're not really doing anything positive for the child. All right. So whatever discipline we use, we need to go back to those root issues. Okay. So when we look at these methods, um, you know these unbiblical methods, and we evaluate them. What is the result? Okay, we follow these kind of methods, what everybody listed there. If we don't do it in the right balance, if we don't do it with the right goal, what it does is it leads to superficial parenting, right? And it addresses behavior rather than the heart. And this is the crux of it, right? Remember, the whole point of what we're studying here is shepherding a child's heart, right? In the right direction, okay? And, and when you uh, when you focus just on behavior, you want to fix the behavior. Of course, we all want, well-behaved kids, okay, but that should really ultimately come from. Uh, it should be an outcome of a heart that is right with God. Okay, uh, it focuses on on expediency, like what what can I achieve quickly rather than lasting change, right? So, what I want, I want to achieve something immediately. I know that if I threaten to spank him, he or she is going to sit quietly. So, so I'll do that. Right? Um, biblical discipline, though, addresses behavior through the heart issue. Okay, it addresses the heart. When we address the heart biblically, it then impacts behavior. That's really what you want. So you want to see, you know, generally what, and and you've got to be consistent with this. Okay, of course, initially the child may be responding to your, you know, because they think they're displeasing you. But what you want to see over time is that they're starting to do these things for the right reasons, right? It's because their heart is in a better place. Because the unselfishness is being rooted out of their heart. Right? Uh, so they must be trained to understand and interpret their behavior in terms of heart motivation. That's why a big part of the method we're going to talk about is about communication. Okay? Because children need communication. They need to be taught. It needs to be explained to them repeatedly again and again and again how their behavior you know, is motivated by an attitude of the heart. And you need to go back those heart attitudes. Okay? So when you focus only on uh, outward behavior, what you do is uh, that it builds the idols of the heart okay? and, and you, it doesn't allow you to get to the gospel. Right? So if you're not focused on the fact that they're a sinner, okay, how can you introduce the gospel? They need to, you know, your children by the time they're, they're, they're a few years old, this whole concept of sin okay? and it's sin that's driving their, their attitudes of the heart it needs to be ingrained in them okay? because what you're doing when you do that is you are, you are, you are um, uh, preparing the ground okay? for the gospel. Okay, if I'm a sinner, right? if I accept that I'm a sinner, only then does salvation have any context or does it make sense? Right? If I accept that I'm a sinner, only then do I realize that I need a savior. right? Why did Jesus have to die? Because I'm a sinner. How do I know that I'm a sinner? Well, look at my own heart. Look at the attitudes in my heart. Look at the... The, the selfishness, the hatred the uh, you know the the disobedience right all these kind of things so uh, you know as i said our our goal of our parenting the gospel is central okay so uh, you know so so with that we're just gonna uh, i'm I'm not gonna get uh, too much uh, into the details today because we gotta take a little bit of time uh, to get to it but but starting next week we're gonna start talking about these biblical methods okay um, you know, and um, uh, and so I'm just going to sort of introduce them here, okay um, you know, uh, how do you, what what does, if, if all of these things we talked about are unbiblical you know, what are the biblical uh, methods, right, so let's just look at a few verses uh, Proverbs chapter 23 they're all from Proverbs 23 so I'm just going to open my Bible here and read them. Proverbs 23 and verse 13. Alright, so Proverbs 23 verse 13 says, Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Okay? Um, you shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. So here it's talking about the rod. Okay, so just keep that thought in mind. And it's saying, you know, and it's anticipating all the the objections, right? Well, if you beat a rod, I'm gonna hurt him, but what what am I gonna do? You know, and it says that if you beat him, if you use the rod, obviously you have to use it wisely and you have to use it biblically, okay, you will say deliver his soul from hell. My son, now this please don't confuse this with uh, with uh, saying that if you use a rod, it's gonna save him, okay, from the point of view of salvation. That's not what it's saving. It's 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 really the reference there is that you will you will keep him from trouble. Okay, you will keep uh, you, know, you will direct his soul in the right way. And then he goes on, My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being, uh, will rejoice when your lips speak uh, right things. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord uh, all the day, for surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, and be wise and guard your ha- guide your heart in the way. Okay? And then it goes on verse 22. It says, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. And verse 26, my son, give your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Okay. So what do we see here? We see the rod. We see listening to your father and mother. And, uh, you know, we see uh, uh, in verse 26, you know, observing my ways. So the example that we have, right? And there are two elements that have to be weaved together. One is this thing called communication. Okay, so the father here is, is saying, you know, you listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she's old. Okay, listen to what your parents are communicating to you. Okay, because they're communicating wisdom. So what we're talking about here is, is two things. One is the rich, full communication that's infused with wisdom, the wisdom of God. Right? And then the rod, right? So these methods, these two methods, go side by side. They they go together. Okay, they they cannot be separated. Uh, the problem that we have with a lot of our discipline is that is that we think the rod exists, uh, you know, uh, by itself. Okay, that it's a standalone method. Okay, it's not. That's not. That's not what the um, what the word of God tells us. Okay, uh, it is not standalone. It is meant to go together with this this uh, method of communication right they, they always go together so what is rich communication so what it does is it, it it prohibits the the punitive discipline okay tyrannical discipline or cold discipline okay when you communicate with somebody you know part of communication is listening right and we'll talk more about that maybe starting next week right you have to listen to the child you have to explain to them you have to hear their questions And when you do that, you know, if you're doing, you can't do that in anger, the anger sort of goes away. So rich communication, it prohibits this kind of tyrant kind of discipline. It provides a context for honest communication uh, in which the child can be known and learn to know himself. Okay. So one of the key goals as a parent is for you to really discern the heart of your child. And you should know, know if you've got multiple children, they're all very different. Okay. They all approach. There are certain positive things about them. There are certain negative They have got some positive events and negative events in their life. Some of them might be very selfish. Some of them might be very kind. Uh, you know, and it's very important that you discern that. The only way you can discern that is by having this kind of open, honest communication. Okay, so that you know the child, and also you help the child to know himself exactly as he is. All right. So it is very sensitive. Okay. So it's very sensitive and it shows the child that you love them, that you're not just there to punish them to get what you want. Okay. But that you really care about them, that you really love them. Okay? When you communicate, they need to, the, through that communication, you know, wise communication, they understand that, you know what, my, parent, my, my, my parents are taking the time because I have done something wrong. Okay. My father or my mother is taking the time to talk to me and understand. Listen to me. Right. Instead of just shouting at me. And, and again, you know, it's very easy. I know I do this all the time to, to just lapse into the shouting thing. Okay. To Lapse into anger and just take it out because we want that, that result right away. Right. And then uh, the second part is the rod. Okay. Uh, the the rod and the reproof. We'll see that starting next week. Okay. So it's not just the rod, but it's a rod and reproof. Okay. Um, and okay. Uh, uh, the rod it complements it's meant to be a complement to rich communication okay if you use communication without the rod you know the communication may not be as effective if you use the rod without communication it definitely will not be very effective because you end up using the rod in anger you end up using it as a punishment the intent of it is to and the intent is very important when you're using the rod to sort of straighten the child out to um, you know to be able to um, get the child to do what you want, uh, you know, then, um, then that's, that's a very unbiblical way of doing it. Right. So it's, it's really important, uh, that, uh, that we get these in balance. Okay. Um, I'm just going to read, uh, sort of, uh, there's actually a workbook that goes with this, which, which, uh, which has a, a little summary called the big idea. Okay. So let me, let me just read this out verbatim. Um, so that you, so that we can just summarize the lesson very easily. Okay. Or very, very clearly. So, uh, what's a big idea in what we've talked about today? Perhaps you have not thought through the methodology of your parenting. You just do it, right? And this is very common, right? We just do it based on what we use, whatever happens at the time, you know, based on the situation. We just do whatever comes, maybe comes naturally to us. You may be reflecting the parenting that was modeled for you, or you find things that you hear on television on a television news magazine compelling. You may be influenced by what friends. Um, say works for them whatever method you employ probably have whatever methods you employ probably have this in common they are directed towards behavior okay so ask yourself what am i why am i doing this is it to change behavior curbing behavior you do not want an encouraging behavior that you think is good whether you threaten encourage yell a lot somebody said a lot of yelling okay offer stickers or some other rewards the common objective is to modify behavior. The problem is that since the heart and behavior are so closely linked, whatever modifies behavior inevitably, inevitably trains the heart. When you appeal to the fear of man, what will others think of you? To get your children to perform, you train their hearts to the fear of man. When you appeal to their love of pleasure, um, you train their hearts to the love of pleasure. When you promise the trinkets and babbles that they like, you train their hearts to the love of possessions. Whatever constrains behavior trains the heart. Methods, therefore, are important. The methods you use must focus on shepherding the heart toward understanding how to live as one created by God for God. Right? The chief end of man is to glorify god and to enjoy him forever right so the problem with these methods is not that they do not shepherd the heart but uh, everything that we do shepherds are the methods these methods that's the unbiblical method simply shepherd the heart in the wrong direction they may train the heart to love money to fear privation to fear man to desire approval to demand rights to live for rewards to name just a few the problem is not that they do not shepherd the hearts they shepherd the heart in the wrong direction behavior and the heart are joined in such a way that whatever constrains behavior also trains the heart perhaps like many people you can see the ways that many of the things you do not like about yourself are related to the ways the adults in your world constrain your behavior patterns of false guilt fear of man shame and so forth often reflect life experience many of us have these issues in the spiritual realm you know you better go to the meeting what are people going to think as opposed to really having the right motivation to do it, right? One of the problems with unbiblical methods is that they are some form of behaviorism. The goal is change behavior. The method is designed to produce a change from unacceptable to acceptable behavior. Effective behaviorism works. It is possible to employ behaviorism and modify the behavior of a child. An illusion is created that things are under control and the child is getting better. But if we peel back the layers and look at the hard issues, things are far more bleak. The child who is trained by behaviorism is learning a false basis for ethics. He is taught that the basis for right behavior is not the being and the existence of God and his revelation, who the Lord is and what he has said. It is rather what will get me what I want or help me avoid what I don't want. Either way, whether the point of appeal is negative or positive, the child is being taught a self-centered basis for ethics. No wonder Paul wants us against the influence of the culture. Okay. So unbiblical methods uh, focus on constraining behavior in some manner and inevitably lead to superficiality in our parenting. Since they only address behavior, they will miss the point of biblical discipline, which is to shepherd the heart towards God, to build that Godward orientation in them, which will later on allow them to respond to difficult circumstances, right? So uh, and, and he talks about a very important distinction here which is you know are you speaking to the root or the fruit right the root issue or the fruit issue right the root issue is is what is in the heart the fruit issue is what you see on the outside okay the behavior right so uh, you know your correction your discipline or whatever you say should move into the right behavior uh, from the right motives so the right behavior should come from the right motives and that's what shepherding the child is all about right in fact that's why david you know, in uh, in um, in Psalm 139, you know, he says, um, you know, oh, oh God, search me and know me, right? Search my heart and know my heart today. So you must, uh, you know, you must search their hearts. Okay, as the parent, it's our responsibility to search their hearts, and the way that we do that is by these two methods. Okay, which which need to come together, uh, in a, you know, in a in, a, in harmony right? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And some of the things we'll talk about is how, you know, the, the, the proportion of these changes over time, you know, when you get, when your children get to be uh, teenagers, you know, it's very difficult to use the rod, just practically it's very difficult. Uh, so you have to train their mind even before that. So they will respond to correction, they will respond to your communication and will not need the rod, right? By then they should, they should have the basics down, they should understand why we do things, you should be able to explain it to them and they should have that desire to listen to you and understand, and and then obey. Okay, so that's that's pretty much what uh, what uh, what I had to cover today. Uh, we do have some little bit of time, so uh, so maybe uh, we can uh, take a few questions. I know everybody will be very interested in getting to the final answer on spanking and all that, but uh, you know just hold on for a couple of uh, for a couple of uh, of weeks at least before we get there. But first, we're going to spend some time talking uh, you know talking about, uh, about uh, communication because that's really I, I think of the two that's the one that really should dominate and 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 it it should also be an integral part of using the rod okay okay i think i've talked enough uh, let's um, maybe uh, just stop for a few minutes and uh, we'll take some questions if anybody has questions or comments or observations if you have experiences you want to talk about maybe some of you have you know, some of you have been through this class before, you know, what are some successes that you have had, uh, examples in terms of, um, you know, molding the heart, you know, of, the, of your child. It, it always helps us to, you know, I'm, I'm giving you a lot of theory here, uh, you know, it always helps to hear from other parents who've been through that struggle. So please, I encourage you to share your testimony about this. Uh, you know, you can, we are, we are among a church family here. So please. Uh, you know, unmute yourself and uh, and, uh, and go ahead. Okay. All right, I'm going to pause for a second while I get to a different mode here. All right. Yeah. Anybody wants to jump in and uh, and share anything, or anybody has a question? I hear somebody's mic coming on. Charlie.
2: Yeah, George. So after the last session that uh, we attended, I think a couple of years ago, um, okay, possibly this works also because our kids are a little more older. Uh, but uh, but um, you know the, the I mean we have experienced a clear difference when you scream at them in anger mm. uh, versus uh, you know sometimes not reacting in anger, but but once your anger subsides, just calling them aside and just trying to reason with them. Now that's not a frankly that's not easy because uh, yeah. you have you know, other things to do and sometimes you know all that uh, pent up frustration you just want to let that steam go out by just screaming at them but uh, that frankly doesn't do any good yeah uh, but but uh, one thing which we have noticed is when we reason out with them and uh, and of course in some cases even getting them to really feel. The pain of what they have done, and sometimes even getting them to apologize or even pray and apologize to God, mm-hmm. I think that makes the, the the whole process complete. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah thank you, Charles. I, I think uh, if I can just, just highlight a couple of things you said. One is that um, it's difficult, right? It's difficult to take the time. It's very easy to get an anger. And honestly, this is for me and my parenting, this is something that I've struggled with the most, and I still do. Uh, it is that you know because because at the at the base level I'm I'm I'm, I'm you know I, I tend to you know little things can make me angry right and it's in that moment if if you don't have the discipline to, to step back take a breath control yourself and stop yourself you know you just blow up right and the more you do that the more dangerous it becomes so so I think this is something that we as parents have developed that ability to say you know what. Uh, you know let's put this in perspective he's they're a child okay they're doing what children do, okay, and I need to shepherd them rather than blow up at them right so so that's uh, you know that's 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 critical that we that we do that and secondly I think um you know you mentioned uh, uh you know making them pray and making them uh, ask forgiveness to god I, I think that's very important because uh uh you know in your discipline you have to direct their, their minds to God, right? And they have, to, they have to understand this distinction that it's about God and not my parents. It's about God and not people. It's about God and not my brothers or sisters, right? Uh, go back to that uh, that goal, right? The chief end of man is to glorify God. So they need to understand how the behaviors that they do, the thoughts they have, the um, you know the, uh, the attitudes that they express, the language that they use, how it offends God, okay? uh and, and and so i think i think what you what you said there is very correct you know redirecting their hearts to god okay is is very important yeah so while anybody else is, uh, is preparing to say something i've got a question here uh, from a parent that says what do we do if our child says i really don't want to obey you not with anger just expressing yeah so um you know, when a child says, "I don't want to obey you," uh, that's that's sort of rebellion. Okay, so uh, you know that's where the rod does come in, right? Uh, but again, let's uh, hold off on the details of that. You know, uh, you know how will you use that. So, so we'll talk about when you need to use the rod. So, when it, if you if you believe the child is is knowingly, deliberately after it's been explained to them why not wanting to obey is wrong. I mean, why is it wrong? okay, uh, it is because God says, it's a command from God, okay, you're disobeying God, you're hurting God, right, uh, and uh, you know, when you hurt God, there's consequences to that, right, and there'll be bigger consequences for you later on in life if you don't learn to obey God by obeying your parents. So, so I think uh, again, it depends on the attitude behind what the child, I mean, if he's just saying that flippantly you need to stop that, but if the child is repeatedly saying, I really don't want to obey you, um, you know, uh, there's a little bit of reasoning and communication that needs to happen to explain why they should obey and even why you are asking them to do that. So sometimes it might be, you know, that the child doesn't understand why. So you tell them, don't touch something or don't come near the stove. Okay. Uh, you have to explain to them why. Right? The why of it. They, and once they understand the why, you know, some of them will change their mind. Some of them will continue to be rebellious. So, so you know, uh, you, uh, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, you know, rebellion is is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it out of it, right? So the purpose of the rod is to drive out rebellion in the heart of a child. Okay, uh, so we have to make sure that we understand that. And again, we we'll, we will get into uh, more of that yes. later. Okay, uh, yeah. Here's a here's another question. In my in my experience, we need more patience as parents to change the attitude of children. Sometimes it may make uh, take more time to change the character of kids i have seen life sometimes we need to work for months to see the results so parenting needs to show more patience and work and say yeah this is a, not a question but an observation and it's very accurate uh, i mean i would go beyond this and say you know it's not just months i mean it's it's a lifetime okay it's, it's a lifetime uh, thing at least 17 years you know to mold the and as they grow up, they get new experiences, right? But but keep in mind that when when you deal with the little experience they have when they're little, you're training them to think, okay. Uh, and ultimately, the experiences they have ten years from now are going to be very different than maybe what we went through and what kids today are, they are you know, are going through. Uh, but uh, but if you train their mind, you know, then you have a, a better chance of directing them in the right way. Uh, okay, someone says maybe it is wise to use you are grieving God rather than hurting God. Okay. Sorry, somebody was giving me some advice here. That's fine. Uh, yes, uh, grieving God is absolutely right because, uh, because God, uh, you know, God is grieved by sin. Right. And, and by the way, we'll talk more about this when we get into communication. But, you know, your communication is going to be much more stronger if you actually are able to go to scripture. Okay. So uh, so that way it's not just your opinion it's mine I mean so it's not your and my opinion but it's God's opinion right it's what God is saying. so for example when you talk about grieving God you can uh, you can go to the passages where God is grieving uh, you know about uh, sin right go go to the passages in, in the prophets and Isaiah and Jeremiah and and, and, and all these you know where, where God is is just absolutely pouring his heart out about the sin of Israel and, and, and show them how, you know how God is grieved, and yes, God even even gets angry at sin, right? So, so using Scripture to to establish some of these things also points them to Scripture, points them to who God is. That it's not your, you're not sort of creating God in your own image, but you're just communicating who He is based on how He reveals Himself in Scripture. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is it possible that if we keep bringing God in the picture, that they get bitter towards God? Yeah. Um I think um i think uh, I think that's where you need the balance right and I, I would say the balance is not uh, is not just pointing out about God being grieved or God being angry, but rather also that that and, and again, come back to the gospel, right it, it then positions you to be also able to communicate to them that well, God is that, but he's also enough, right God loved you, right? Look how much God loves you, right and and you can connect that to little things that happens in life maybe it's something they prayed for maybe it's something that god provided for you as a family and you say you see god loved us and he wanted us to have this right so i think i think it is important and thank you for asking that question i think the 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 crux of the point there is that you want to make sure that that our children get a balanced view of god right so god is not just the god who is out there he's holy and therefore he's looking for the right behavior but he's also merciful he's also loving and in fact In fact, uh, a great, uh, great opportunity for you sometimes to show mercy, right? And the wisdom is in knowing when to do that, when to punish them, you know, uh, when to warn them, you know, and say, you know what, God is merciful. So although, you know, you have hurt him at this time, you know, I'm going to show mercy to you because God is merciful. He's a merciful God and he's been merciful to me when I've done wrong, you know, and and sort of showing that picture that all men, including ourselves, are sinful and giving them that sort of balanced view of God, I think, is is very very important. Okay, so so good. Yeah. Any other questions? And and by the way, people do uh, sometimes uh, they they do sort of take the uh, analogy of uh, you know the analogy of God and the parent and all that. You know, God as a father. Sometimes you tend to go too far with that. Right, and and there are there are folks who will sort of come to some conclusion that we should never spank our children because you know that would be unkind or whatever, right? And uh, again, you have got to look at you know if, if you're applying what God is like, you go to Hebrews chapter 13 you know, and He talks about earthly fathers, you know, punishing or chasing their sons, uh, you know, for a you know for for a for a good reason, and how God Himself chastens us, right? And he does it and seems painful for a season. So, so clearly scripture teaches that, you know, the way God deals with his children, that is us, you know, sometimes it's, it does involve pain, right? And it does, it does involve punishment, it does involve teaching through difficulties. Uh, and so we have to uh, accept that that's, that's part of that balance. Okay. Okay, Josh, I guess, uh, uh, yeah, follow-up, for sure. question, follow-up yeah. question to what you mentioned
1: about... Uh, uh, mercy and uh, an opportunity to sometimes show kindness. Also, um, how do you find the balance between being merciful and at the same time being consistent with your discipline? Like, I yeah. can't sometimes let go of one thing and then another time discipline him for the same thing. Right?
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, I think I think uh, uh, you're right. That's a, that's a that's a good good question. See, the the thing is that um, again, we will get more into this. Uh, you, you have to sort of understand where the child is coming from, okay? So mercy is uh, is very much, uh, you know, needs to be part of the equation. For example, if the child didn't know something, okay? So they don't, they did it maybe unknowingly, right? They did it inadvertently. They did not intend something to happen, but it happened, right? Uh, Maybe they were uh, playing around with their brother or sister and they happened to get a little, uh, you know, a little bit out of control, right? They were both playing, and you know this happens with, with, uh, with, with oh, in my home a lot. or Seems to be less these days, but you know there would be Danny and Josiah or somebody would be playing, and then all of a sudden, you know, and they're playing and they're, you know, they're having a jolly good time, and then uh, all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, somebody would erupt in a, you know, bawling, saying, "Oh, what happened?" You know, and then you know Danny hit me, you know, uh, and then you start dig into it and you realize that you know they're. They were sort of horsing around. Both of them were equally part of it, and in the process, something just got out of control, right? I mean, that's you know, I could I could punish the one kid for hitting him and hurting him and all that, but that that's an opportunity to say, you know, what you hurt your brother, you hurt him badly, but I don't think he intended it. Okay, uh, so so you show mercy, right, in that point? Yes, he did something wrong. Yes, he should have been more careful, you know, but uh, but now. If that thing gets keeps getting repeated, then then you know you got to sort of draw a line there, right? So so I think it's it's a judgment call, uh, but uh, but yeah, you've got to be consistent, right? And you've got to explain to the child uh, using the communication of why it's wrong, right? And and I think um, you know consistency is important because then the child, if you're not consistent, then the child thinks they can get away with it. They'll try their luck, okay, to see uh, you know if they can get away with it. So so you've got to be consistent. You've got to be consistent, I would say, in how you use mercy as well, okay? Right? Um, sometimes it can be that they deserve a punishment too, but, you know, maybe, it's, a, maybe it's, a, it's an anomaly, okay? The child does that, you know, in that even if they did it intentionally, maybe it's, um, it's the first time they're doing it, okay? Or it's not a repeated pattern with them, right? That would be an opportunity to show some love and mercy and explain to them that's what you're doing right? But help them to understand that they need to change the attitude of the heart. They need to ask God to change them. Uh, you know, and one of the things that I find very effective, and I think Charlie alluded to this is, is to make them pray. Okay, so pretty much we'll talk about how to go about using the rod, but when prayer comes into it, you know, it makes a big difference because it, it actually uh, you can see kids, um, you know, uh, their whole demeanor changes. Okay? Um, you know, when, when you make them pray and you bring God into the equation, um, so yeah, I, I think these are things that, as parents, you know, with God's wisdom and with prayer, you you you, you gather the wisdom to. There's no formula to it, right? It's something that you have to uh, address uh, or figure out, you know, with with time and with experience. Uh, but uh, again, prayer is important. I think, uh, you know, evaluating how things are going, right? If you find that your child, because of your mercy, is taking advantage of your mercy right? That means that could mean that you're doing it too much. Right. So we need to, again, there's no one, one, uh, easy answer to it. I think it's something that you have to, uh, you know, you have to uh, determine, talk to each other, you know, uh, as, as husband and wife, that's why you're there. You're a, you're a team, right? Talk to each other and, and figure it out. Okay? Um, okay. So here goes another question. Um, For me lately, using the scripture and uh, also taking our seven-year-old to parables, Bible stories have been useful in making him understand rather than just my opinion. Also, it has led to many questions which have helped me to share the gospel in various ways. You know, that that is great. Thank you very much. That's from a mother. Um, That's exactly what I was trying to get, the point I was trying to make earlier, right? You know, you have to know scripture and you have to use it to take them to scripture. Okay. Tell them the stories, you know, take them to the parables, take them to, uh, to these things so that you can explain the gospel. I, again, you're, depending on the age of the child, you, know, you don't want to, um, um, you know, for a, for a two-year-old, a three-year-old, don't try to explain propitiation and redemption and, uh, uh, you know, imputation and all those things. Uh, I'm sure Raven is laughing somewhere over there um so uh, uh you know it's uh you know use the age but but you can explain some of those concepts in through these stories, through the parables, through portions of scripture, through some of these bible stories, right um, you know some of these characters, right you know the character of Jonah and you know disobedience and what jonah did and and how God showed him you know that he was wrong, right, although he was a prophet, I mean even the prophet sinned right so uh so you're absolutely right, and that's why you know. Uh, and it's not just about parenting. It's anything in our Christian life. Uh, you know, it's it starts with our own spiritual health. Okay, you cannot be you cannot be a good godly parent if you don't know the scriptures. But you cannot be a good godly you don't expect to be a good and godly parent if if you are not strengthening yourself spiritually. Okay, parenting is a spiritual ministry. It's a spiritual exercise. Right God has given you that role to serve him to glorify him as a mother as a father for a season of life, okay, and that season of life is very limited it goes very fast so it's important that we take it seriously uh, and keeping yourself sharp spiritually understanding learning, continuing to learn okay uh, if all you care about is secular things and and uh, trust me that will show up in the way you discipline will show up in the in the messages you communicate to your children and they will you know become Go in that direction, right? If you if you communicate to your daughters that good looks are all that matters, and you you spent all this time pimping them up, and uh, you know worrying about what kind of clothes they wear, and making sure that they look pretty, they'll get the the, the message that that's what's important, right? As opposed to you know their attitude in, in the in the you know in their heart. So so yes, you need to know scripture, and, uh, and knowing scripture really helps you. Okay, uh, there was a book I had. Uh, I don't know if it's still available. It's called Proverbs for Parenting. It actually has some good, um, you know. It sort of organizes all the proverbs by different, uh, different subjects. Uh, you know, you can always use some resources like that. Take a look at it. It's probably got me online somewhere. Proverbs for Parenting. Um, it all does groups all the proverbs together. You know, whether it's uh, by by subject and and it's tied to parenting. So you can you can get some of these resources to help sharpen your ability to. Uh, to know the scriptures as it relates to parenting. Okay. All right. Any other, anybody else want to share any, uh, any testimonials, um, like Charlie did earlier. Okay. I think, uh, yeah, go ahead. Who was it?
1: Uh, hi, this is Raj Kamal. Yeah, Raj. Yeah. So, so what, uh, I want to share my best practices, um, Every day we are taking her to the Lord's table, or not the, Lord, the Lord's altar, so family family Bible we read and then every day we ensure that she is closing her eyes and we give her the subject that you need to pray for uh, your Aunt Rupa and then for the salaries and for the COVID issues and everything. So this is a regular practice which we are ensuring and uh, which came into result like whenever we are worried or uh, if I'm having a headache too then also... Uh, I'll tell her that I'm having a headache, and then she will she will start praying. Even yeah. if she is having some kind of pain in her body, she will ensure that the first instance she is praying rather than you know asking for the medicine. Yeah. She's yeah, just is standing for. So I think that is the best practice which we can follow. And we also teach her these stories from Bible, like you are taking example from someone. So so these are the things which are helping us. And then she come up if you are having any problem, let's pray. Yeah. So I think this, this is this is how we are building it.
0: Yeah. Yeah no that's good thank you for sharing that raj Thanks. yeah okay anybody else all right it's almost twelve forty-five, so we'll uh or in this 12 okay so rebichain has uh Rabbi has uh, sent a message that says proverbs for parenting is available for uh on amazon kindle for 329 rupees uh, i'm sure we can all uh save up and, and afford that so i i would recommend that to you um uh, so that's proverbs for parenting and then uh for next week uh please uh, you have a little extra assignment you have to uh or, or uh, you know you have to read three chapters okay so so we're going to be covering the idea of communication so that's chapters eight nine and ten in your book okay if somebody doesn't have the book please uh you can message benji um and uh, you, know, you can try to get I, I, Please read chapters 8, 9 and 10 called Embracing Biblical Methods uh, and uh, the sort Method of, of community so, so I encourage you to read during the week if you have any questions that come up as we go through that, uh, you know, uh, please, uh, please be ready to, uh, to uh, bring up this. Uh, have a good week and uh, we'll see you again next week. Alright, thank you very much.